0: Unfiltered, the official Sunderland AFC
1: podcast. Welcome to SAFC Unfiltered. Myself and Danny are back at the Academy of Light for yet another podcast. You lucky people. Uh, This time we are speaking to a bit of a legend in the women's game, Jill Scott, Danny. Yeah, it'd be good to have a catch up with Jill. Um, obviously, I think the people will
0: know well from um, recent adventures in Australia. Done well in the jungle, picked up the uh, the crown there, didn't she? And obviously had a good summer as well with England and the winning the Euros. So, uh, good to catch up with
1: her. Yeah, definitely. We'll speak about her career and uh, maybe what she wants to do in the future as well when it comes to football. Sunderland, of course, were held to a one-one draw at the weekend. Danny down at the Den, and it was a it was a, a pretty scrappy game to say the least. It
0: was indeed, yeah. I think, uh, you know, we thought it was 50-odd fouls in the game. It was stop-start, wasn't it? Weren't at our best, but I think sometimes you give credit to the opposition and Millwall played the game their way. Um, direct team and uh, it came about their goal really as well, didn't it? In, the, in that style with Big Cooper getting on the end of one, albeit on his backside on the floor. But uh, no, credit to the boys. They dug in and uh, it was a good goal from it. Dennis, brave, got his head in there. Didn't know much about it. Um, but yeah, it was good to, to come away with the point in the end, I think.
1: Yep, we're gonna head inside the Academy of Light now. It's a very bright and calm day up here at the Academy, which is quite rare. Uh, A lovely day to go and have a sit down with Jill. Welcome to SAFC Unfiltered, <laughs> delighted to be joined by Jill Scott. Jill, how you doing?
2: Yeah, all good, thank you.
1: Um, good. Yeah, obviously, you know, after your own podcast, this is your favourite podcast, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, of course, we'll get that in
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know where to start. We'll, we'll start with the, the, the jungle thing, because yeah. this is a huge thing, you know, you became internationally more famous than you already were for your success in, in football how was that as an experience
2: well it shows kind of the way of the world doesn't it that I suppose winning the euros and then where obviously that took like 16 years international career to get that success and then yeah I went on a reality TV show for three weeks and it's like you're more well known for that but yeah it was a it was a great experience I I think I've spoke about it before I made a lot of good friends it's a very intense experience you like in there for say 16 hours a day you're awake and i think the viewers probably seen 20 minutes of that yeah. so there is a lot of times when you're a little bit bored you are hungry as well i think people did see that and people keep saying to us did they feed you on the slide but they definitely <laughs> yeah. don't
0: i was going to mention that i think it was harry Redknapp <laughs> said it a couple of years ago didn't he? he said i was expecting a bacon butty or something <laughs> and the cameras would go off but nothing no, no pictures, nothing no, at really. all nothing at Oof. all
2: so yeah you wake up rice and beans um lunchtime rice and beans and then obviously whatever you one on the night which would be like crocodiles feet or something but it's something that you would never ever experience and as I say the friendships that I've taken out of it is something that yeah mean a lot to us I
1: guess so because you've got nothing else to do but to get to know these people inside and out
2: yeah it's accelerated. Like, your friendships have accelerated so quickly because there's no mobile phones, there's no mm. iPads. Like, so I feel like I remember talking to Owen on the first day, and I reckon within two days, I could have told you anything about his family. We spoke about football a lot. He got us through chatting mm. about, we discussed our best ever 11 Premier League teams and just like little games all the time. But yeah, friendships are definitely yeah. accelerated. In I that. think
0: the cooking causes the most arguments in the jungle, yeah, doesn't it? Those yeah. arguments, every series you're watching, who's doing the cooking and yeah. portions what, what spices they're putting <laughs> on and stuff yeah, exactly. I think the best
2: way to talk about the food is you know when you're home on a night and you, you're you a bit bored you just eat don't you yeah. you're like oh, I haven't stopped eating tonight and it was like that 24-7 so you're just thinking about the food but there's no food to access so I think the viewers at home were probably like oh they're whinging all the time that they're hungry but it's because it's like the only yeah. thing on your mind
0: and yeah with yourself being an athlete obviously but over the years you used to eating a lot aren't you your yeah. training and your protein shakes and all that and then as you say About you're sick of rice and beans now when you do your shopping in one of the supermarkets you walk down that aisle you're getting the flashbacks
2: yeah and I think it's obviously very fortunate that I've never kind of had to go without food or like had to diet because I was always the type of player because I played midfield if I had like three games a week that was like 33k mm. a week plus your training yeah. so I always had to eat loads and also a little bit of rubbish as well else I wouldn't have got the calories in mm. so yeah I think that's why me and Owen Own reckons a ate- year eat six stir fries a day or something like that, so he was hungry a lot <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: he was moaning about the food the most yeah, on there, wasn't lot. he? Yeah, <laughs> did, did you know everyone who was in the jungle with you, or was it up to you to go and find out who they were and what they were all about, or did you know the, all their profiles?
2: Not, not really, I went into it kind of really naive, I didn't do any research, I was quite busy leading up to it, so it was just like, like itinerary next week, um, you've got a podcast, you've got an interview, you're going in the jungle, and I was like, I hadn't even like, researched it, and also one thing I found out about myself being in there is like football and sport is just what my whole life has been so like everything else around that I kind of haven't really taken into account say politics I do like music but there was loads of people in their comedians and just kind of got to know a lot about like different areas um, Coronation Street I'm a massive fan so as soon as Sue walked in I was like oh my god there's Eileen but yeah
0: <laughs> she called g- Eileen by mistake a yeah,
2: well, few I times was like, yeah. yeah expect that just yeah. to be a character in Combination yeah, Street yeah. obviously she's not Um, so it was nice to get to know people on that personal level
1: now that's excellent and you obviously you were you And, you know, the the life will probably change forever as well because of that as well. And, you know, going into it, did you think that you had a realistic chance of winning?
2: I didn't really think about winning I'd, I've never really been that type of person and also the same as football there was quite a few things between the two like sport and the jungle that could cross over so I felt like we were part of a team obviously when you went out for your trials and challenges that was like having a football yeah. match do you win do you lose and then the group benefit by the person that goes off to do the trial so I always think it's a bit unfair that there's a winner because yeah. you are a group trying to get through it it's like when they pick a, a player of the match at the end of the game like i think it takes everybody uh, whether it's always a goal scorer isn't it but yeah. if you haven't got the keeper keeping them out the people assisting yeah so i never went in there with the aim of winning and i know people say oh your life's changed and whatever else and there has been changes but i don't feel like that myself do you know what i mean i'm yeah. still just jill yeah. it's interesting like.
1: though that you were saying that you, you know you you weren't really aware of some of the people's profiles because you were so just Targeted on your your profession at the time, and you've had such a long career, and you must have now you're not doing that day to day. Is that so strange that you're not in the routine? Danny, you've spoken about this since you retired. You, you miss just getting up grabbing your kid bag heading in getting on the grass that mm. kind of thing do you miss that?
2: Um, you know what I, I think what's really surprised us the most is at the moment I haven't I, I really miss being around the girls yeah. I do really miss that like, you've been day, so busy though, day, though haven't yeah, you? yeah I think so and I think one thing that I say is when I played maybe because I did have to work and play football till mm. a certain age mm. I've always kept myself busy doing other things I've got the coffee shop I've always done football coaching so I never got in what to turned professional at two o'clock yep. and just sat down and did nothing I was always doing stuff so I don't know if that's helped with this transition or I'm going to wake up one day and be really struggling so yeah I don't know but at the minute I do, I do feel okay
1: did you go into the euros knowing that you were going to retire at the end
2: in the back of my head yeah I was really struggling with my knee I, I was so lucky in my career I, I didn't have an injury hmm. my, my whole career really I think I missed 10 days the, the whole like the whole time wow so seeing some of the girls go through ACLs broken and legs Like I was so lucky and um, going into the Euros my knee started to flare up and I'd literally be training at the Euros say 2-3 days and then I'd have to spend a full day just trying to get the swelling off my knee so I think in the back of my mind even though I didn't play loads in the Euros I think I knew that it was, it was a big push just being part of the yeah. squad um, even training every day with some of the players that are in that team that yeah. was a challenge right. so I think I knew I was yeah I think I knew in the back of my mind but I hadn't said it out loud
0: and to go out on a high as well by winning it but as you say there for you, was it 10 days you think you spent out in your career that's some going over your yeah. length of your career for a centre midfielder as well <laughs> yeah I did
2: um, I did have some scans after and they were like you do know you've got no ligaments left in your <laughs> ankle so I think it was some cases it was just strap mm. it up and, and just play and get on with it but I also say as well I never got hamstring injuries because i wasn't fast enough (laughs) it's usually the fast players isn't it yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah I, i know i was very very lucky in that sense
1: yeah 31st of july you created history by being part of that squad that won the euros just what was it like to play in the tournament and that game
2: oh it was, it was incredible. I think that all the tournaments I'd been part of previously, to have a home tournament, kind of experienced at 2012 at the Olympics, but I remember being at Wembley uh, against Brazil in the Olympics and it was full, but a lot of people were there because they just wanted to get tickets for yeah. the Olympics. Whereas to have 90,000 people buy tickets for women's football, mm. play Germany, it's yep. like you just uh, honestly i can't put that moment into words and i haven't even watched it back because it's just there's so much emotion inside of us it's just it really is i know it sounds cheesy but just such a dream come true
1: i don't only compare it to something like euro 96 where like the whole nation were behind the squad and everyone was tuned in if they were lucky enough to get a ticket there was people in every single game you know what i mean and you know it was just incredible to watch and did you feel that the nation was behind you
2: yeah really did really did and I think I speak about the tournaments that I played in I think I did four World Cups four Euros two Olympics but I also lived them England tournaments as as a fan like Mike Lone's moment against Argentina David Beckham getting sent off I'm like the biggest England fan so I feel like when we won that tournament I won it as a player and a lifelong England fan and that's why it's just such an incredible moment obviously we're on a podcast, but I have the most horrendous tattoo now of a big lioness in the day that we won. <laughs> I think it was a drunken night out, but it just means so much to us. When you're
1: in the camp, though, are you and the squad encouraged to stay focused and not listen to outside noise, or did it help, in a way?
2: Everyone was just so relaxed. That tournament had like such a, a relaxed feel about it. We had a lot of younger players who... I think they thought oh this is just what happens you come to tournaments you win and I was like this isn't just <laughs> Were well, you one of happened. the favourites
0: as well to, to go and win it Yeah at I the think yeah. we
2: were and I, I used to sit there would be having because you're in a tournament people see you for the game but you're away for like five, six mm-hmm. weeks and the girls were just so relaxed would have coffees would work so hard in training but it just felt like something was, was going to happen and I was probably getting a bit anxious and wanting to be going round going are you feeling okay are you feeling okay but I just wanted to be like no let's just go along with it and um, yeah, it was just the perfect tournament, it really was.
0: Were you based at St uh, George's Park mainly then, or were you travelling to <laughs> no, different so hotels? No, so we were or? at
2: a place called the Lensbury, which is right. in uh, Teddington, so we stayed there, we were away from everyone, it was yeah. quite secluded, right. um, we had like some time off, mm. So, but it was mad because we'd been walking for coffees like every day when we had like a couple of hours off, nice little walk, yeah. get a coffee back for training, and the morning after we won it, I remember I didn't sleep and I texted a couple of the girls and was like, anybody fancy a coffee? And we did that same walk that we'd been doing for the last five, six weeks. And the cars were beeping. beeping uh, walk past the news agents, it was just articles everywhere. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, what happened yeah. yesterday? Yeah, realize
1: how big it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fantastic, that. How important was Serena Wiegmann to the success of the squad?
2: Oh, so important. I think that like chilled environment is what she created, but then, all also with that high demand on performance so whether it was training games there was always a high pressure that we had to do well um but she was so good I, i've spoke about this quite a lot recently but like Just, I felt like the players knew where they stood the staff felt trusted sports scientists, medical, assistant coaches, everybody knew their job and it was like, you get on with that no grey areas, everything black and white and then when we come together for game day, everyone knows what's happening and it was almost like, you know in football sometimes there's a lot of energy wasted on environment, something's going on Um, it just felt like everyone could keep their energy for their bit and therefore it just
1: worked Um, is she quite full on is she quite hands on on, in in the run up to a game you know
2: what she's the nicest person like you could sit like this and chat to her about family uh, she'd have a coffee but there was also I said this to her this week actually I said there was also that fear factor when you went out to train you wanted to do well like you Mm -hmm. didn't want to annoy her but I remember her even saying to me I think she'd been in charge a year and I don't think she she had to like tell us off or anything once. Like everything was just going according to plan. But I do think that was mainly because she had a plan for everything yeah. as well.
0: So was she full on hands on in terms of taking the trainer or leave it to the coaches, yeah, maybe yeah, do a yeah. bit of shape up. No, to- we
2: had a, we had an assistant coach who did a lot as well. But yeah. she wasn't shy of stepping in. Right. and Being like, yeah, they worked really well together. Mm. She brought him in, yeah. uh, Arjan along with her, and they were just a really uh-huh. good team. But what I liked, and in the past I've seen managers and assistants and they're like best of friends and sometimes I think that just doesn't work because you need someone who's going to challenge you yeah. and if you're, say if I ever went into management I know I'm very unorganised I'm not really like a logical thinker so I'd want an assistant to who do that was side like of it for that. you yeah. and I think sometimes admitting your weaknesses is a massive strength
1: Zonny mm-hmm. Farrah Williams got more England caps than you yeah. Did it, was it special every time you pulled on an England shirt?
2: yeah it was so special so special the, from the first one to the last one Um, I still can't believe that I I played that many times Farah deservedly deserves um, the most cap she was such an incredible player she taught me so much playing alongside her in midfield um, but yeah, I remember when I reached 150 and it, it was in COVID times actually, so there was nobody there. But it was just such a, a special moment to reach that amount of caps. And yeah, I never took any game for granted, whether we were playing a, a team that we were going to beat 9-10-11-0 to play in Germany mm. in a final. Um, every game just meant so much.
1: Now you touched upon your coffee runs before. We yeah. understand you, yourself and your partner involved in running the coffee shop box-to-box, of course, yeah. in Manchester. The question is, what kind of coffee do you get? <laughs> what would you get if you were going to get a coffee right now? What a would you get? Black,
2: white, and to be honest, last week we had Roy Keane in. Roy Ooh. Keane came in and we will chatting. His old boss, yeah, my, we were old, chatting my old boss about yeah. Sunderland, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and I just absolutely loved it. Mm. He, was, he was chatting about when he was Sunderland manager and yeah it was just just great bumps. he's a
0: little bit more relaxed when the cameras aren't on isn't he to be fair he is, yeah he's a, he is, a lovely he? guy you yeah. know
2: what I was always a bit apprehensive Scared. about and him yeah because I, I always wanted to play midfield because of players like him mm. and I think like I had that side was I was never the best player so I knew I had to smash people and well, just,
0: well, we've seen that in the final yeah, yeah. yeah. a little bit, yeah.
2: a little bit of too too much passion yeah. but, um, so when I met him I was like oh, they say don't they don't meet your heroes but he's such a nice guy mm. so such a nice guy.
1: No, uh Danny you <coughs> would always get some kind of um a latte with caramel or something like that. That's your favorite, does not yeah, it? Yeah, yes, yeah, but quite heavy on the calories, aren't they? now
0: so I've got a Chinese off on them. <laughs> no, I'm not playing. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, what's the what's the calories? But yeah, yeah. that'll be me. But caramel latte. Yeah. Caramel it's a drink, not it? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: They always say in independent coffee shops that like if they ask for like syrups, you're not a properly proper yeah. coffee drinker. Oh, nice.
1: How would Apparently. my my order of um a flat white with oat milk go down? Yeah, no so that's pretty standard fine. these
2: that's days. That's pretty like you you'd be cool coming yeah. in the he's shop one of them, them holding the queue
1: up though isn't he where they've got to get everything off the yeah, shelf yeah it's one of them yeah. when they come
2: in and they go can I have a half a shot flat white with soya milk and a shot of caramel yeah. and yeah. sugar free and I'm like glass <laughs> of water oh, and ice
1: next oh, right? oh. yeah as well Um alright okay we've touched more than that but we're going to look back a little bit at your career and obviously you played over a hundred times so Manchester City as well as Everton but it was Sunderland where you started yeah. your career where we're recording this podcast this afternoon up at the academy i guess the game was completely different when you started at sunderland to what it is right now
2: oh yeah it's changed so much like i've been a sunderland fan i had a season ticket from the age of nine so even coming here today is special i'm like oh the players in and and stuff like that but yeah when we were younger it was a lot of i probably had your old kit to be honest (laughs) (laughs) we,
1: we used to get
2: um just a bag of kit that the men had had yeah yeah um and I remember you'd rake through, and I think there was a physio called like Jockey Scott back in the day. So I used to look for the GS and ah, wear the kit. Yeah. Nice. But the red, Reg Fardy jumpers, yeah, that yeah, turned that's pink, it. Yeah. the pink, the yeah. blue. 60 gone, degree
0: wash had done the colour. Yeah, and they'd gone
2: <laughs> so bobbly, they yeah. weren't even warm anymore. But um, yeah, being here now, obviously the, the women's team, uh, the training facilities, stuff like that. We were at the back of the Charlie Hurley mm-hmm. for years, just on a field, there was no toilets, nothing. They used to just run us, We'd just Used to do 12 minute runs and it was it was horrendous, but also the the best days, like the, the team togetherness that we had was incredible. So I've got some great memories, but to see how much the game's grown now, mm. like we'd be training seven till nine on them pitches in the pitch black. <laughs> um we would never have daytime slots because mm. people were at work. So mm. yeah, it's just amazing.
1: And before that, I think Jill, we're quite <clears throat> a similar age. I remember being at school and playing f- like football at school and the maybe be <clears throat> maybe if you played six games you'd see one girl in a in like a a team for a school team was that the situation you were in as well You having to play with the boys
2: yeah i was the only girl so my green school obviously backs out of here so i used to be at a senior academy cross-country runs i remember for the school but yeah i was always one of the only girls and then they did um, make a girls football team Mm -hmm. on the back of a couple of us saying we'll play football which was brilliant but, um, yeah, just the changes, you can't even... It's just like night and day now, it really is, and that's why I'm so excited for the future. But I do see a lot that I think it's nice to reflect sometimes because always, you always get asked about, but the men's game this and men's game that and I'm like it's a completely different Different, game if you keep comparing yourself to the men's game we're always going to fall short it's like let's just be kind of happy with our progression and excited for the future and it's
0: growing massively isn't it as you say winning the Euros has, has catapulted it as well and you can see now it's on the telly and It's it's really growing.
2: I think it's just that respect element. Like when I say it to myself that people used to have a problem with girls playing football, Mm -hmm. it's like, why can't, if boys want to play football, girls want to play football, they just play. And it's as simple as that. And I think we've had to work so many years to get that respect Mm -hmm. on the game. And I think finally, off winning this Euros, we've done that.
1: So, and I guess you you were a pioneer, really, you know, and your legacy will will reflect that. But do you get a little bit, maybe jealous, if you go to, like, a Goals or something now, or you go to, like, an academy now, and you see girls' teams with all the gear and managers and coaches? Do you think, oh, if this... I would have been like Pelle or something If I had this backing
2: (laughs) No I definitely wouldn't have been To be honest with you I don't Because my journey I might not have even Kind of gone on To have the journey That I've, I've had Um No, I don't get jealous at all. People say that they're like, "Would you go back to being 17, 18, signing a full-time contract?" But you know what? I, I wouldn't like. My journey in them early days were kind of weren't fully professional, so I still had a bit of a social life as well, Mm -hmm. um, which I think was important. And now. You've literally got to be the girls from the age of 17, 16, 17, 18. They've just got to be on it all the time. So I wouldn't change my journey. And I'm just so glad that they don't have to travel from Sunderland to Liverpool one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning to get back from yeah. work. Like, I'm, I'm happy that they can just concentrate mm. on the football.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely something gone into your mentality as you've gone through your career, but maybe is there, is there a kind of a northern mentality in women's yeah. football because <laughs> the success of the northern players?
2: Yeah, I think being up here, like, I definitely had that grit of, like...
1: What is it, though, trying to prove to... People. I
2: don't know. I think like when like playing on the horrible pitches, the yeah. rubbish weather, like yeah. you do become like robust and you do have this mentality like don't wear gloves yeah. And, yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And, yeah, uh-huh. and you get down south like I never would wear like a snood or like mm. legging things for training. I'm like, no, we're training, and yeah. that was just in mm. you. I think it is just that northeast mentality. Like, don't get as wrong; I'm soft as anything away from the pitch. <laughs> yeah. I think because as a referee, I felt like I could start fights and stuff. Yeah like that i was always protected but to be fair
0: when i moved on elsewhere yeah. in my career from being up here for six years and i'd go out training t-shirt i hated having the hats and everyone yeah. was too claustrophobic and then the lads are say you're not called cool. i said i've played up there for six years i'm yeah. used to this weather now do you know what i mean so exactly it. Yeah. it's
2: it's so true it's so true it just builds like something in you and you you don't want to be classed as soft but yeah there's so many obviously great players came from the northeastern and the women's game there's so many went on to play for England and that's why I hope we can get Sunderland back in the top league
1: yeah I mean that was uh, quite a fall wasn't it in recent years and Mel's Mel's doing her best with her team and her people around and out to get Sunderland back in you know WSL where, where they should be because of the legacy of the players which have came through this club.
2: Oh yeah definitely and I think for you know what I do soccer camps around the country and I, I make no secret of when I'm in the north east the talent is incredible. Like it's so good and I think it's good that we've got Durham obviously in the WSL but I just think if we could get Sunderland into that top league it's just something for them young girls to aspire to and imagine like supporting Sunderland and then becoming a Sunderland player for them it would just be fantastic and I think that opportunity should be there
1: yeah is there anything immediately that could just be changed you think to make the the women's game grow even bigger or is there any hurdles which you think could be easily knocked down with I don't know, legislation or some kind of financial help? Or...
2: Yeah I think the financial side always but I do think one thing with the women's game is at the same time you don't just want somebody to kind of plug loads of money in because I think if somebody just puts you up there straight away you can then get taken straight back down mm-hmm. so I think we need to build it in the right way like if you have part time players and some players full time can you get everyone full time and just keep making them gradual changes and not that it has to be done slowly but I think it has to be done right because because <laughs> Um, you want it to be sustainable um, and for it to have kind of people that have long careers. So I think we're getting to the point now. I'm not one of these where I'm like, all females should be coaching, managing like physios, but I think it's equal opportunity. So if we can get female physios, um, sports scientists, like even if you're not a footballer, there's different opportunities in football. But yeah, I just think that there's definitely things that can be done and can be better, um, but we have to make sure they're done the right way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, so obviously moving forward Jill obviously we've mentioned your coffee shop and you're down based in Manchester but if Mel give you a shout would you come along you're obviously (laughs) doing some coaching academy stuff you said uh, soccer school stuff Um, would you look at going into it full time is it not for you uh, coaching management
2: I I do want to I do want to I'm getting back on the grass from next week down in Manchester just with us obviously living there Um, and I would love to love to go back into it but I just think because I've gone from being in football every single day I'm kind of enjoying this little yeah, bit yeah coming of away time. from it a little bit yeah. yeah but I was at a grassroots event the other day and I just couldn't help get my boots on coach the teams like mm. I do love it mm. um, but yeah I, I would I would love it I, I, I said even about kind of and then barriers in the men's game I think I'm going to be doing a bit of coaching with a boys academy Mm. and I think it's important just to kind of be visible um, in that because I don't think there's a lot of female coaches in the boys game um, so not I think many female is,
1: staff to be honest is no, there no there's
2: not and I think that's something where again I'm not like banging the drum that it should be all females but I think there is females that are good enough to do it so that is one barrier that I would like to kind of break down a little bit
0: yeah, I think it's Emma Hayes at Chelsea she's been <laughs> mentioned yeah. though, linked with a few jobs in the men's game hasn't she over the last couple of seasons I can't yeah. remember if it was a team but, but I, so.
2: I spoke about that recently yeah. in an interview because I said she's obviously been managing Chelsea they've had all this success of one FA Cups, have won leagues and I hear then how the go Oh she could get an opportunity in the men's game and then they mention like league two teams. Yeah. And I'm yep. like, why does it have to be like that? Why so, that
0: level of such, yeah. Yeah, yep. like
2: they suddenly like drop it down to mm-hmm. three leagues but um yeah, I think that's where, I always say with with females that work in male-dominated environments across anything, I'm like, by being visible, you are changing dreams of younger girls who think, oh, well, I can do that when I'm older, so just by being visible, I think that's a, the biggest thing to do.
1: On the SFC Unfiltered podcast, it's tradition for the guests to take part in Danny's <sighs> general knowledge quiz, which he likes to... Uh, you know throw out the guest last week it was uh, kieran richardson today it's you jill oh, Are you prepared i'm terrible
2: at general knowledge
1: well he might he, sometimes he mixes it up and puts one in about your career has he done that uh <laughs> sort of about jill's career yeah right not okay, on the then. football pitch though but right, we'll see so yeah
0: five questions see how we get on mixed subjects jill uh but the first question is we're back in the jungle so you won. i'm a celebrity in 2022 at the 22nd person to wear the jungle crown but have there been more male or females That have won oh, I'm a celebrity
2: I'm going to go males
0: 12 males 10 females correct Yes yeah. we,
1: Have, you, I've always been a one, fan? have right? you always been a fan of the programme
2: You know what I'm not one of these That sit in and watch TV Like yeah. every night So I'd see the odd episode But I'm not one of these That's like We have to be in at 9 o'clock as this programme's on
0: yeah. What was the worst thing We didn't ask that before Did you do one of the Eating challenges uh, on there or, Crushed
2: yeah? goat's testicles <laughs> I don't even I can't even describe uh, oh, it's Disgusting You can't
0: get them down Roka Seafront <laughs> can you <laughs> Not yet
2: <laughs> The fish and chip shop yeah. I'll have um, Crushed goat's testicles With And a batter, bag of
0: chips Battered bits <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good start Good start Question number two What type of berries Are used To flavour gin Oh
2: wouldn't have a clue. I'm not really a drinker. Oh, you're not. No. Uh, blackberries.
0: Juniper berries. I've never Tough even one, heard of them Yeah, juniper berries.
1: Oh. I've only heard of them because I know they're in gin. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen a juniper berry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have tell you My what My mum would have like. got
2: that one right. <laughs> <There you are. laughs>
1: right. Question number three. Uh, we're on the tennis
0: court now, Jill. Oh. You know your tennis?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wimbledon.
0: Bit. Oh. No. Oh. Right. Well, anyway, question number three. What is the name of the ladies' singles winners' trophy at Wimbledon? Oh,
2: I haven't got a clue. What's Do you know What's what it looks like? What's the men's called? I
0: don't know what the men's is called, if it's got a name, but the, the ladies. Okay. It's round, isn't it? You know when they round. mean?
2: Round. Uh, something plate.
0: Oh, Ooh. Do you know it? No, no. but I, I'd go along yeah. with that something plate. No, it's the dinner plate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the Venus rosewater dish.
2: Really? Yeah. It's just not
0: even a plate. Venus a dish. rosewater Venus dish.
2: Wo- is that after
0: Venus? No, no. I think it's just sure it's just been named that since venus since they dot yeah the venus rosewater dish I'm yeah
2: terrible at general knowledge Do you know when uh, there's even a pub and yeah. the quiz comes on i just want to hide in the no, corner if you have
0: music round, even the only or? thing
2: i'm good at is thinking of an innuendo for the team name
0: oh yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good <laughs> 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 trying to get a point for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right back on the football pitch jill <laughs> okay. um question number four how tall in feet is a football goal is it i'm giving you a multiple choice seven feet uh-huh. eight feet or nine feet Oh,
2: Right, if a goalkeeper's about six foot, they do You that. can touch
0: it, yeah. What
2: was it? What was the multi-choice?
0: Seven foot, eight foot, or nine foot?
2: Eight.
0: Eight foot is correct. Yes. There you go. For middle people that can't see,
2: I've got my hands in the air. <laughs> yeah. <when> yeah.
0: <laughs> How tall are you?
2: You're... Uh, 1.81 metres. <sighs> what's that just under six foot just under six foot yeah I think men always say yeah. it's funny I was yeah. with Owen from the jungle the other day and I think we're the same height and I say I'm 5'11 and he says he's 6'2 six six oh, he? right.
0: <laughs> with his heels on I'm trying
2: to take like, yeah. down, you know, down.
0: the height uh, down um, and the last one yeah New York City yeah. lies at the foot of which river
1: What's the name of the river? I'm
2: terrible with stuff is, no? like
1: this th- is, There's a film. There is a film. Yeah. When he lands the plane on the river. Have you seen it? Tom I Hanks. Know.
2: I don't
1: know.
0: Sully's the name of the film you're thinking of. Uh,
1: yeah, Sully. but I thought. But the, I thought I didn't think that. I'm was the name so the
2: bad with rivers.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Not gonna get it. No. The Hudson. Oh, Hudson, Miracle River. on the Hudson name, Miracle on the Hudson Yeah
2: Oh well I got
0: two. Yeah. two What did Kieran Stead, Richardson yeah, for, get? Did he get two or three Kieran? Get two or three I yeah. think
2: you helped him out though
0: Didn't you? I did it, I gave him one with the Code for Birmingham Didn't I? No, oh. The area code And oh. I said you actually Played yeah. it in and around I'll that area
1: two, So two I thought so. I was going to get two. Two's alright yeah. uh, Lyndon Lin- Lin- Gucci's got the record Five out of five Really? Didn't yeah he got coming. five Lin- yeah.
2: Is he bright?
1: Apparently well, not. He, he didn't say so himself. He said he was happy with
0: one and he took them all off five out of five. You're yeah, so. to be polite yeah. Is he bright? Yeah. Apparently not. Yeah. So, but we thought Daniel was bright, didn't we? And then when we spoke to Corey and, and yeah. Corey
1: said no, he's not. Yeah, That's he's right. not mate. But uh, You hi. did well there. Well done, Jill. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Well, I know you've got a busy you. schedule while you're in the Northeast. You're a legend in these parts and what you've achieved over the last six or seven months has just gone on to cement that. So thank hopefully you. we'll see you up here again soon. And uh yeah, enjoy. Your time in yeah, the north, thanks, thanks, Jill. Thank
2: you, thank
1: you. We are back outside of the Academy of Light, having spoke to a legend of the women's game, and that was Jill Scott, of course. That was fantastic, it was just like having a chat with an old friend, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, and exactly what I thought, really. I'm say didn't know much about Jill until I seen her on the jungle in terms of her character, her personality, and that's how she came across in there. Um, yeah, I think obviously football days behind her now, she's looking forward, she's had been busy hasn't she a lot of stuff since since she finished playing obviously the jungle and one or two other events she's had to attend Uh, but yeah I think she's got a bright future ahead of her whether she wants to go into coaching or, or media or you know whatever else comes her way really
1: yeah, I said she's a legend of the women's game, but really though, she's a she's a pioneer in football, isn't she? For what she's achieved to date and, you know, I, you could imagine her going on, can't you, and having a career and an important voice in football. I think so, yeah, and just chatting to her there, you can see she's had a bit of what you call the old school really and talking
0: about the early training days, the facilities that were available then and just how, how the women's game has developed over the last few years um, and how it's growing and she's going to be a big part of that moving forward. Was it 161 caps under her belt? Uh, a lot of years at the top level um, won a lot of trophies so yeah she'll be a big big positive for, for females football moving forward
1: OK then thanks very much Danny and thanks to you for listening remember to subscribe on all your favourite podcast platforms we'll be back very soon with another edition of SFC Unfiltered we'll see you soon